Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Scarab Audio Red as we welcome back our first three-time guest. Collecting his hatchet ball is Reds fan, podcaster, impressionist and comedian Matt Ford as we look back on the highs and lows of last season and ahead to season two in the Premier League. Matt Ford, hello, how are you? I didn't realise I was the first hat-tricker. You are. I think there's oh, people man. who are regulars, but you're the first three-time individual interviewer, yeah. Oh, wow. What an honour. Thank you. What do I get? Oh, well, I would say a signed mug, but it takes me a year to give them out. But if you want me to get Lewis McGugan or someone to sign a mug for you, then I'll, then I'll do it. I would, actually. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> He's a lovely man. Man, that goal. I mean, obviously, he scored some amazing goals, but that free kick will forever be, you know, his, his place in Forest history is secure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you and scribble a on a mug, I think that would, secure, that would absolutely cement his legacy. He's on here all the time. He's very clever about the game today, either way he talks from a player's point of view. So we love him. Right. Um, this is, I mean, you can't encapsulate nine months in one minute or two, but how did you find last season? It's, uh, wonderful. I, I mean, there was only a brief period where I did get worried that we we're going to get relegated because mm. most of it was just, oh, well, basically I thought we'd be fine. And, oh man, we're back in the Premier League and we're playing away at the Emirates and the Etihad and Old Trafford. And we've got Premier League patches on our shirts. So all that, I was kind of still in a bit of a daze when it started to really dawn on us that, oh, actually, this is some... I didn't... The only time I thought we were going to go down was after Leeds away. Ah, yes. I was exactly the same, yeah. I thought, oh, this is... um, And I was lucky enough to go to that. And I just thought, oh, this is terrible. They're going to stay up and we're not. Mm. Um. So then when we go on that run and, you know, the Brighton, Southampton, Arsenal games, just like, it, it was, I, I, I felt guilty for Evan having doubted us. But really, that was the only point at which I felt, oh, no, I've been deluded all year. Um, but apart from that, I just loved the whole thing. I thought it was great. And in the end, so many of those signings turned out to be excellent. So mm. many great players. And obviously, the, the home form and atmosphere was just, there was nothing like it in the Premier League. And uh, it's so cool that that was our contribution to have the best fans in the league that kept us in the league. And now we can obviously kind of delude ourselves all over again and get get all excited. Leeds away must have been a double low point for you, because I'm assuming you went with John Richardson, who's obviously a big Leeds fan. Do you know what? Thank God I didn't. Uh, He couldn't go. Um, Do you know what? It was the the bit I remember more than anything was... (laughs) Being in that away end, and it's that awful thing where you kind of sense that as a group of fans, you've slightly overreached. And we're all going to the Leeds fans, you know, where's your famous atmosphere? And then they score. <laughs> and then they all start going, there's... and I was just like, oh, we brought that on. You almost felt like we tempted fate there. And it was just that horrible, of all places to go and lose, when they're right in your face. But yeah, I um, I didn't go with John. He He couldn't go. So that, which was... A relief because that he would have been the worst person to 
see his grinning face after that. How did you feel about them going down? Because I know Forest fans don't like Leeds and Greg Mitchell, who's on this podcast, who told me to tell you that Comedians Play FL is his favourite podcast. <laughs> I love yeah, Greg. He, he was at that game and he loved it when Leeds went down because Leeds fans gave Forrest loads of sticks saying you're going yeah. down with the Leicester or whatever it was. But then one of your best mates is a Leeds fan. So were you a bit conflicted about it or do you revel in the fact that you're Premier League and his team's championship next season? I'd rather it be that. Ideally, we'd have both stayed in the league because we've, we've only ever watched Forest Leeds together in the championship or lower. Mm. So it would have been, from a, just a friendship point of view, it would have been cool. And you don't want your mates to be sad. But obviously, it's not like I've got any great love for Leeds. I mean, I respect their history, of course. But I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too upset that wasn't too upset that they went down. They're not they're not the easiest club to root for. But then I don't know, in a weird way, I kind of think I they're a big club from a similar era to us. And I I get a lot of pleasure out of the rivalries where you actually get to play each other. Mm. Like with the Derby thing, you know, like, I'm happy for them to suffer a bit, but sooner or later we I want us to play each other again because those games are great. Um, so it was. I guess it was a little bit more of that. I think the needle, in a way, that, that it, had we got to extend that for at least another year, about both of us being in a relegation fight, would have been quite satisfying. But given, of course, given the choice, anyone but Forest and um, Leicester going down was great. How many games do you get to? I mean, we were saying before we recorded how how busy you are. How many did you actually make it to last season? I got to six or seven last season. Uh, about the same as me. The um, League Cup quarter-final penalty shootout against Wolves, which was great. And I went to Southampton away, our only away win of the season. So I went to some good ones. Um, Arsenal away. You didn't get too many home games then. Is that a bit of a regret? I mean, the atmosphere was amazing at home. Is that a disappointment for you? Oh, really disappointing. I mean, I, I think I went to Fulham Villa, Wolves. Did I get to another? I think there was another one slightly later on that I got to. Um, but yes, I mean, I, it, if you're not going regularly, you do feel like a bit of a fraud, really, particularly when you grow up going all the time. Mm. And then you feel slightly removed from it, obviously just so emotionally involved in it. But having to watch that Arsenal home game, because the problem is because I do a radio show on Saturdays that's two till five. It, it, Saturdays are a write-off, really. So then I'm always looking for those midweek games and then I'm gigging. So it's just it's basically impossible a lot of the time. Um, but that Arsenal home game where I, I just felt, obviously... I, it, just elated and I really thought we were going to beat them and you could sort of feel it in the air I thought before but just so jealous of everyone there and the Brighton game and the Southampton game you're like oh my god you could you could tell on the telly that it was the city ground that had really helped win those games and as a fan you just want to be you want to feel like you've played your part on days like that there's no substitute for being there particularly when you know that you can make such a difference so uh, I was just obviously delighted with bouncing around the living room when when um, Tywer scored against Arsenal. But equally, this part of you going, ah, I just wish I was there. I wish I was there to celebrate a staying in the Premier League. Mm. Um, but that's a nice problem to have. I'd always rather you know, Forest do well. I think I got really lucky thinking about it. I went to West Ham. It's obviously the first home game. Yeah, great. Uh, oh, home. wow. Brighton at home, which was probably my favourite ever watching a game just as a fan, not working. Yeah. Uh, Wolves, the shootout, same one as you. Wolves in the league. And maybe one other that was a bit dull. But yeah, I got very <laughs> Yeah, the Brighton one looked phenomenal. 
Do you think that atmosphere is sustainable or will we get a bit blasé about the Premier League and just expect to win games and it won't always be like this? I don't think I'd be amazed if people got blasé now. I mean, mm. in a few years' time, hopefully. What Again, what a nice problem to have if, if that becomes the case. But I kind of feel like that intensity is going to last for a while. And I think if you can be that intense when effectively overall it's been a difficult season imagine what it's like if we start to kick on and do well or get to the final of something or win something so I I think that's become the new personality of Forest and I think a new generation of fans I've been thinking about this a lot because you know you talk to people who played and I'm sure you have them on this podcast a lot of them will say even those that won the European Cup under Clough the atmosphere was never this good yeah so why is it and obviously I think it's and we talked about this last time I think the length of the wait is crucial in that it's all that pent-up mm. frustration and, and heartbreak. But I think a new generation of fans are more vocal. I, I actually think Forza Garibaldi played a huge part because there was a period of time at Forest where the atmosphere wasn't great. In fact, a long time where the atmosphere wasn't great. It was just kind of flat. And I don't know, you, you, I would always think, what it's not like people from Nottingham are less, uh, you know... <laughs> witty, funny, uh, atmospheric than people from Manchester, Liverpool or wherever. So what is happening at Forest that isn't? And I think them, Forza Garibaldi just really making that effort to to create an identity and to, to create some noise and just re- regardless of the result, regardless of what league we're in, regardless of who's the manager, we're going to do something. I think that just relentless drumbeat gave these, and then obviously getting to the Premier League, Steve Cooper, all those sorts of things are what's really taking it through the roof. But I think they basically said, we're not going to allow the atmosphere of the city ground to dip below a particular level. And I think they've really helped just make people go, why don't we just bounce around? Because then mm. you watch other clubs. I mean, like I think of Leeds, who have good away support. I remember that Boxing Day game against Leeds, where I think we've beaten 4 3 or 4 2. And they're all just bouncing around in the away end. 4 2 day. You're like, what? And then you go, well, why can't we be like that? Why can't we just enjoy the day? And now we are. Now, Forest fans are, I, I don't think there's any doubt at all, the best in the league by a mile. Mm. It was really funny watching the Arsenal game on telly because they're all going, oh, what an atmosphere. And Tony Adams is going, well, you know, the Emirates has had an atmosphere this year. And he's like, <laughs> has it? Fu-? Like, no way. I've been to the Emirates. It's dead. I've got a lot of respect for Arsenal. But my, there's just no comparison at all. And I think a lot of fans of other clubs are really jealous of what Forrest have done because they go, oh my God, that's what being a football fan should be about. I wish my club was like that. And um, it's hard not to obviously just want to be there all the time anyway. But when it's like that, you think, man, the city ground looks like the coolest place on earth. It's great. Uh, uh, Tony Adams was quite funny on that. It was a bit like interviewing a politician. They'd ask him a question, you'd deflect every answer back to when he played for Arsenal and we were really good. (laughs) Much better than this mob. Well, do you know what it was? I, I thought he couldn't hear. Oh, okay, mate. I, I, I sort of got the sense he didn't know what the question was in the first place. <laughs> uh, that's a political excuse as well. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> yeah. Let me talk about my five priorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you've said about the lowest moment of the season, I assume, was Leeds away. What, what, yeah. Was Southampton away the best moment because you were there? Or was there something else where you were watching at home that still eclipsed it? I think the Brighton game, I think Brighton, Southampton and Arsenal, it's almost taken as a trilogy. Obviously, mm. the Arsenal game. Actually, the best one I was at was um, the Wolves quarterfinal, the penalty shootout. Mm. That was fantastic. And I just thought we played brilliant football. And the, I mean, winning on penalties to get to a semi-final was amazing. So that was probably, the, in terms of the atmosphere that I was at, the, 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 the Wolves quarterfinal was. But I think 
I think the Brighton game was such a turning point and such a great performance. And I loved them all going, oh, we're tired after the cup final. You're professional athletes. It's just a nonsense excuse. You got beaten by a better team and you couldn't live in the... I genuinely think the atmosphere at the city ground absolutely poleaxes players because mm. they're used to playing in the Premier League. Where, And I've been to other grounds this season. Trying, I just love going to watch live sports. I'll go and watch anything. So um, I've been to watch... Uh, West Ham play Villa with a mate of mine who's a West Ham fan. I went to Chelsea, Man City. Like, no stadium in England has a, has an atmosphere anywhere near approaching what Forest have. Just nowhere near. Most stadiums are full and dead. They're just, they've become, and in a way it's kind of reassuring, you know, because you don't want them to be hostile places, but they've become, it's like, I think for a lot of people it's like going to the theatre now. And playing at Forest must just be such a culture shock for people. We go, oh my God, we're not used to this. And uh, I, I just think that has been the, the crucial, as well as Steve Cooper, the great players we've got, I think more than any other club in any other time, the, the, the fans at Forest have been the most, you could, I think you could literally point to points we've got as a result of that stadium and, and the behaviour of the fans inside it. I, I think it's, it would be, a, 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 I mean, I've said this to John before, and he thinks it, I'm like, someone needs to actually study this. Mm. Like it would be a fascinating like PhD thesis about the effect that you know crowds have on players and on athletes, and, and I don't think there would be any better example than Forest this year. You could feel it through the telly at times or through the radio. I mean, you know what? When you're watching on the telly, I think it was the Brighton game, but one of those three, and you could see like parts of the Brighton club stand on their feet throughout nearly the whole thing. You're like, what is happening? Even people in the Brighton club stand are on their feet. This is brilliant. I think it's something really. I think something really special has happened at Forest now, and I think it will really last. Yeah, I was in the Brian Clough stand for the Brian game, and I was barely sat down. I think that's probably <laughs> because the man in front of me was had done a significant amount of cocaine and was actually <laughs> stood on the top of his chair. So and I'm six forty four, six foot four, and I couldn't see past him. I mean, how that has sort of crept into mainstream football culture is like a, a whole other podcast. But my mm. God. Yeah, Bizarre. I've not seen so much of it, but I'm sure this guy, I mean, yeah, he hadn't been drinking. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> don't get in any kind of legal no. trouble. Um, how would you have felt if we'd gone down? Could you have rallied yourself for this season? Because I know some Leicester fans. In fact, I was talking to one at the weekend when my daughter went to his house and we were chatting in the kitchen, as you do. And he's knowledgeable about the game. He's like, oh, I'm quite looking forward to this season. We've got a rebuild. You know, Connor Cody and Harry Winks are good signings. I'm like, yeah, they are. But if we'd been in the championship after all those years, there's no novelty value again, really. I'd have hated it. I would have. And I think it's different for Leicester. And even it's different for Leeds. Neither of them had to wait that long to get back up. Mm. And and they were there were more than one season. Obviously, Leicester <laughs> won the Premier League and the yeah. Cup. So they've kind of, in a way, who cares? If you're a Leicester fan, I literally wouldn't care what happened next. You like you climbed Everest. Who cares in a way? Obviously, you don't want to go extinct. But I think for us, it would have been hard. I'd still want Cooper to keep his job, and I'd I'd be fairly confident that we'd come back up. But it, I think it would have been really, really upsetting to go through all that, and it only last a year. And obviously, at the back of your mind, you'd go, "Oh, that's how that was our one go." Mm. Are we ever going to come back? So I would have rallied myself, but I, I think at the back that those sort of dark doubts would have crept in, and I, it, I think it just would have been so sad for the country 
if Forrest would have dropped back out. I, I think there was a sense that people really liked us and they, you know, partly because of the fans and Cooper and, and the fact that the club backed Cooper and all those things. I would have been really upset. I'd have still kept the faith and everything, but it, it, that would have been really miserable to go down. Yeah. It, you just thought, oh. Yeah, and that feeling, you know, after that Leeds game where you're convinced that you're going down, it's horrid. And also, I've never understood. I mean, I remember we've obviously been in League One, but the last time we were on the brink before that Ipswich game, mm. chatting to mates, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather go down to League One. We can rebuild. You're like, that's not how it works. If you go down, it's harder to rebuild. You've got less yeah. money, less people go. You lose, yeah, you lose your best players. Yeah, what mm. you don't rebuild. You, you dismantle. It's terrible. I, mm. I think in a way that's just something people tell themselves... In a way, they're just glad the pain's over. They're like, right, I've got my decision. We're relegated. I can live with it. And yeah, we get to go to Plymouth and all these other places. And yeah, maybe we get a promotion season. They are kidding themselves because there's nothing as good as being in the Premier League. So um, no, I'd have been upset, but I would have still had total faith in in Steve Cooper. Yeah. I think we learned two things last season. First, if we'd gone down and come back up, it wouldn't have meant as much as Wembley. It would have meant a lot, but it wouldn't have had the emotional resonance. It just would have been like, oh, we're back in the Premier League. It opens all those doors. That's brilliant. And secondly, like every Premier League win felt like it meant so much because it was so hard to get any win over the line. There was not, I don't think any win was comfortable. Like Leicester at home was probably as close as we got, but I know Harvey Barnes missed two big chances. So it was like an epic battle to win a single Premier League game, wasn't it? It was, and it was um, obviously that just the, I, I sort of think as well about the start of the season. Obviously, the West Ham result was great, and then we went through that period where it was very, very difficult. And you think actually, I think we've learned a lot now. And we're smart, and obviously the team has gelled. Mm. So you kind of hope that we don't go through it in that way again. But uh, I mean, it's football is really hard and winning a game of football at any level is really hard. Winning a game in the Premier League, I mean, think of the sorts of players we're up against as well. We, even with, as much as we love and respect the, the people who play for Forest, you're up against like Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. These are like it, it, global level talent. It's a completely different level to what we played at last year. Um, so the fact that we've stayed up is, is absolutely obviously like credit to the talent of the players and, and the, the manager and everything, but it's kind of miraculous because to have been out of the league for basically a quarter of a century and then be up against, you know, like this sort of like elite race of footballer that is like on a different plane to the players we were playing against the championship the year before. It's amazing that we've managed to get a draw at home against City, beat Liverpool, beat Arsenal. What a season. I mean, that's got to be, you know what's mad is, obviously in like the, 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 the catalogue of Forest history and, and the big seasons that I was alive for that we remember, like Littlewoods Cup finals and um, FA Cup final and you know, quarterfinal of Europe and all that, finishing third in the league. I just think last season was one of the best seasons. The last two have been two of the best years it's ever been to be a Forest fan. Mm. It's been marvellous because actually everyone knew, everyone knew it was going to be hard. Um, I think there was a, 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 maybe a little bit of delusion before the season started. Where I'm like, I might finish top half. Or it was definitely like that sort of madness that creeps in. But broadly, the fans were never deluded. Like everyone knew what everyone knew that fourth from bottom was basically the the gig, and uh, the amount of pleasure that you still got in a season like that was unreal. It was mm. great. 
it has to be one of the most enjoyable seasons ever. And that's mad, really, when you look at, you know, but we're back and we've done it. And now that we've stayed in, and I love that interview with Maranakis after the um, Arsenal game where he's talking about trophies and things. You think, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's not lacking in ambition, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always at the back of my mind is it won't always be like this as well, which is kind of a pessimistic thing. But I just can't see how it's sustainable. To hopefully we keep progressing, and I'd love it. Like, a, I mean, what would you love this season? I'd love a boring mid-table Crystal Palace season, personally. Well, mid-table would be mega progress. I'd, I'd mm. mid-table would be great because if you think of like last season and and the some of those really great results we got, you basically it'd be like that plus a couple more would be brilliant. And then you could start to dream about the you know, your way for conference league, or whatever, um, or maybe the league cup or, or something like that. Mid-table would be a, it would be phenomenal. I just think incremental. I'd happily just go one place a year for like the next ten years. Mm. It'd be oh, great. Yeah, just just to be in the Premier League and hopefully not be in a relegation fight would be nice. Although, obviously, it's great for the adrenaline. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Mid-table, safety and security. And just get that sweet Premier League dollar rolling through the doors on an annual basis. Um, Which players did you fall in love with over the course of the season that you didn't already love, like Joe and Ryan Yates and Brennan? Um, Danilo and Felipe. Mm. I just oh, everyone, thought that, everyone loves Felipe. Man, he is fit. I mean, it's not like <laughs> he is pure sex, looking, isn't he? Isn't it? Yeah. He's just totally like every part of him. <laughs> he, I think he's the most sexually attractive person that's ever lived. <laughs> like when his hair's long, he looks great. When his hair's short, he looks great. With a beard, without a beard, he's just naturally gorgeous. Um, and he's great at football is the crucial thing, obviously, um, <laughs> from a forest point of view. Um, Danilo, my God. Um, Renan Lodi. I mean, just Taiwo in the end, obviously. I mean, it, it, you think of the, the amount he scored and he was injured for half the season. It's incredible. Mm. So, so many. I mean, the, the thing is, the more you think about it, the more you fall in love with him. But um, I think F- Felipe and Danilo were just, were the two for me that on top of the ones that I already... Obviously, Navas yeah. was incredible. Is it still a bit mad that, you know, we a couple of years ago we were signing, frankly, bad players, and now we're signing <laughs> a guy who's won three Champions Leagues and was, I mean, PSG's number two, but, you know, he's had a, the career he's had yeah. and Forrest is signing him as a promoted team. It's still a bit mental to me. Well, the Lingard thing was the one where you go, oh, God, maybe we're going to spend loads of money and do really well. And then mm. Lingard obviously... Um, Sadly, barely. Um, sadly, from his point of view, obviously, um, barely featured. But that was the bit where you go, "Oh God, we're 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 literally in a different league now. We are. We do have. A, we're in the Premier League, and that in itself allows you to attract a different quality of player. But obviously, the, the financial backing that the club have given the manager was on a, a level that I think people perhaps I certainly didn't expect before the season. And now I think, hopefully, that 
financial backing plus slightly shrewder recruitment. I mean, so many of their signings turned out to be fantastic, but, you know, who knows who we might get now? I mean, this is the problem. You're like, oh, man, you, you drive yourself, or I drive myself mad with this because you go, oh, we could. <laughs> you start to convince yourself that, like, you're going to get these megastars. Well, if Messi, I mean, he's never played in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't think, well, he wouldn't get into the top four now, would he? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he wants to play for a club with European pedigree. Maybe we get Messi. Like, I could absolutely convince myself that we were going to sign Messi or Ronaldo or someone of that ilk. But, um, for, uh, yes, for Felipe, I mean, Navas was except, and obviously Dean Henderson was great. But, and Taiwo was, how could you not love Taiwo? Mm. Taiwo, Felipe, and Danilo, I think, were the ones that, that of, of, the, of the ones that we signed in the summer that really, really um, stole my heart. Yeah, I think. Yeah, actually, I think the recruitment was good overall. There were a few dubs, yeah. but as a percentage out of thirty signings, yeah, I think they were they were far more successful than they might have been because there was a point where they were signing all those players where I thought, oh, this season could be a real disaster. And we could really <laughs> embarrass ourselves, and obviously, it didn't turn out like that. But I think there was a sense the media, especially. Uh, a section of it were really some of them were itching for to for for Forest to fail. I think so they could laugh at us. Yeah, I mean you can sense that. I mean it, it did make me laugh when people got sensitive about it. You're like, we've signed thirty odd players. We should expect to have the piss taken. Like, yeah, it's an insane amount of players to have signed. And like, I would see people getting really like defensive about it. I was like, don't worry about it. We signed a load of players. If they're good, great. If not, people like we take the piss out of other clubs. Like that's that's part of life and part of football. But I think you're right. You could then sense that actually there were parts of elements, you know, pundits or whoever, who did then want it to backfire. Mm. And also, I do think, I think you could slightly sense it, the Arsenal game. I think, weirdly, you almost get the sense that some people are a little bit jealous of what's happened at Forest. That for all the success that other clubs have had and for all, you know, Arsenal in a title race... There's no doubt that the City ground had a better atmosphere than the Emirates. And I think, in a way, people feel sensitive about what that says about their club. They go, mm. well, why aren't we more into it? Why have we basically become um, almost like a sort of cricket atmosphere rather than a football one? And I think, in a way, Forest is like this um, reminder of what football used to be like. Mm. We're like this amazing throwback to an old stadium close to the pitch that is absolutely rocking week in, week out. I think in a way people are a bit jealous of that. They go, oh, because their view is, oh, well, football's gone like this, so it's just the same for everyone. And we've turned up and gone, no, it's not. You can still have that absolute emotional connection. You can still have a ballistic atmosphere in the modern era, in the Premier League. Um, And I think in a way they go, oh, why don't we do it like that? (laughs) Why have we become boring? I think that's partly what it is. You mentioned cricket, but Lord's long room is like Galatasaray away at the weekend. (laughs) Man, yeah, the wrong week to pick cricket as an analogy. I mean, I've only just, I only got into cricket um, after the one day World Cup thing the other year. Yeah. My whole life I'd always been a bit, I think if football's your first love, and I was going to Forest all the time as a kid, and it's such an intense atmosphere. And then I go to Trent Bridge and you're like, why is no one singing? Why is it so slow? <laughs> and now I'm like, I have been a dick my whole life. I've missed out on these amazing things. And on the day of that final, everyone's going, just watch it. I was like, I don't like cricket, mate. And then <laughs> turned it on on my laptop. I was backstage at a gig in Bath and was like, oh, for, 
all right, if everyone's going mad for it, and I was like, I immediately was like, I can't believe how good this is. How have I never appreciated the intent? So then I got, yeah, I go and watch cricket all the time now. So I was, I went to one of the days at Lords the other day, and then I'm going to a couple of the days at the Oval. I'm like, it's brilliant. It's amazing that nothing happens for ages, and then something happens and it's massive. Mm. And Stokes has to be one of the greatest living athletes in any sport. I mean, he's 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 phenomenal. The, the level of talent. Uh, and then you, the day I was at Lords, it was you know it was nice. Not much happened. It was docile. And then you watch it. You watch that fifth day the other day when it's all kicking off. You know what really made me laugh about that? They kept saying, "Well, I think it's uh, a lot of people who don't usually come to cricket have come on the fifth day because the tickets are cheap." And you're basically saying, "Oh, working class people have come here. That's what you mean." <laughs> oh, this wouldn't usually happen at Lords, Football but the tickets fans. were cheap and it's all <laughs> exactly yeah yeah yeah. People like me have gone. And um, they're chanting, and they've, you know, it was great. I thought it was so funny. But even then, like, they're like an altercation. It's just some guy in like an old school jacket going, You bloody cheating Australians. <laughs> like, compared to football, that's like so low level. But <laughs> man, crickets, but I, I've really become a total advocate for it. Uh, um, and in a way, I'm like, Well, that teaches you something about life because you can always, do you know what it's like when um, I think at any one point in your life, most people would say they've got enough friends. Um, and then you, you bump it, you meet like a friend of a friend. You're like, oh my God, they're amazing. I do have room in my life for one more friend. Do you know what I mean? And it's that thrill of meeting a new mate. And I feel like that with cricket. So then I'm like, well, maybe I should try F1. Maybe I should try and get into golf. All these other sports have been a bit, Neh. no, yeah, yeah. Red. no, maybe cricket's enough. I love cricket. Uh, I, I can't get in, I can't personally get into F1. I can't. No. And golf, I like the Ryder Cup because it's just you. It's the, the the rivalry. It's a bit like the Ashes. Yes. Well, yeah, the Ashes is on another level. Um, I should give a shout out to Broad as well as a Forest fan. Oh, monumental shit housing. So with, funny. with the bat so taking funny. on every Aussie. So you know what's mad is I, for the Sheffield United semi final the season before, I was sat in front of him and Joe Root, hmm. and they are two of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Like, just genuine... The sorts of fellas... <laughs> I said to my wife, it's like, they're the sorts of boys you meet at church. You know what I mean? Just impeccably mannered, very sweet people. And there was a bit during that semi-final where I think we're then winning on penalties. And I just heard Joe Root said to Stuart Broad, um, I think I'm just going to go and sit over there for a bit, if that's all right. <laughs> Stuart went, yeah, that's fine, mate. <laughs> just like, so... Just total gentleman. So then to see, like, to see Brody, like, winding up the Australians, like, this is absolutely brilliant. It was so funny. And obviously it's so cool that he's a Forest fan and that he's from Nottingham. Because I would love it anyway, because he's, he's England and he's winding up the Aussies. But that um, that extra bit, you're like, oh, he's one of us and he's doing it. This is great. This is Nottingham Bants on the global stage. <laughs> Oh, Talking of which, that. actually, I went to see Brucey at Glastonbury the other week. Oh, yeah. I'd never seen him before. He's incredible. And he tried to get like a Stevie Cooper jank going. <laughs> I mean, there were loads of forest shirts there anyway. Um, but I, I, I was like, got it. A few people sort of joined in, but he's obviously got like quite a young fan base who probably aren't all forest fans. You know, so yeah. Probably got a wider reach. Um, and uh, you're like, oh, go on, mate. It was so cool. It's so cool seeing. I think with Nottingham, I always sort of felt this growing up that I feel like we're underrepresented. In fact, you know, there was that um, 
I'm going off on all tangents here. There was a report out recently that if you want to be, if you want a peerage, or you want to get a knighthood, being from Nottingham is the worst place in Britain to be from. We have the lowest, like, representation per head on the mm. honours list. We just get totally mm. overlooked. And I always mm. felt that growing up, that culturally, I mean, I guess with central telly, there was, there was a fair bit of stuff made, but, but Nottingham now, you're like, it's this amazing big city. And actually, it's such a novelty when someone from Nottingham, like, really, really makes it. Like Stuart Broad or Vicky McClure or Brucey. So you're just like, it's such a big deal. I feel so emotionally invested in Stuart Broad anyway. Because, you know, he plays for England. But that extra thing of him being from Nottingham and being a Forest fan. It's the same with Carl Froch and, and same with Lee Wood. You're like, when someone then does the global level thing, it's incredible. Because loads of people do it from London and Manchester and, and other places. I think it means more when they're from Nottingham. I don't mm. know whether, in a way, I, I don't know if other people feel like that. Be like, go on, mate. I almost felt like that was Forest against the Aussies in the Ashes. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> That's us doing that. Yeah, I never thought of it like that, but Nottingham, going off on a tangent, I don't know what the population is relative to Manchester and Liverpool and Newcastle, but it feels like Nottingham should be sort of on, on a par with them. Obviously, Birmingham's the second biggest city and all that, but yeah, it just feel like it's overlooked and underrepresented. So yeah, I think so. When, when people talk about like regions and things, when people talk about the North, and it's always like Manchester, Leeds or whatever, no one really talks about the Midlands. Mm. When you're talking about... Um, culture and, and telly and the arts and things like that it's always like either scotland or the north or Wales. it's like nottingham gets completely squeezed out in that conversation yeah unless it's shane meadows yeah basically well that's it but that's why he's so important it's like he is like he basically put the nottingham accent on telly mm. uh so he's like played a huge part in like i think him forrest you know, you can see a way in, in which actually this leads to like a total transformation of the city. And like Nottingham becomes like a real boom city for a while. You're like all the kind of elements are there and having a Premier League football club. I mean, someone told me once, I don't know if this is true, but if basically Forest stay in the Premier League or if this was before we'd even got there, like it would, having a Premier League club is like a, a, one of those metrics that businesses decide whether to locate in a city or not. Or like certain like hotel groups will locate mm. there or certain employers mm. um it, it could forest being in and staying in the premier league could lead to like a just a transformation in like the economy of, of nottingham which would be great i don't know how i've ended up talking about this but you know I, basically i wish i could go to more games <laughs> let's uh let me ask you one challenging question that came up on our live shows and it was the one that you saw it's probably the hardest to answer we all want Steve Cooper to be manager at the end of next season. We know football is a cynical game. Do you think he will be or not? Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. I think, I mean... Because, well, I think... OK, I, just, I don't think we'll... Right. I don't think we'll be in the same level of trouble that we were last year. Mm. I hope we're not. So, on that basis... I, Why would if you're not in a relegation fight and he's sort of incrementally building we're doing a bit better then yeah I don't know why what what have other people said uh when you just look at the turnover of managers there was so few who retain I think people are kind of optimistic as long as we start well if we yeah. um 
don't want to tempt fate, but if we lose one of those first two home games and we're as bad as we were away, then it's not going to be a good start. But after the, after that, the fixtures ease up nicely till December. So I, yeah, I'm still confident we'll, we'll do well. As long as the owner's ambition, you talked about trophies, like if the owner's ambitions are ahead of what the fan expectation is still, then it makes you wonder. But he stuck with him last season by hook or by crook. Obviously, yeah. scattered around, but that's what every owner does. So. Well, it'd be irresponsible not to, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you know, the, the worst thing would be to sack a manager and, and have not even thought about the replacement. So, Oh, yeah, you don't end up with Dean Smith in charge. No offence <laughs> to Dean Smith, but <laughs> <laughs> Allardyce, but... Oh, it, man, that was bonkers. I mean, he hadn't worked for about five years. No. That was so weird of all the people. Yeah, I mean, who would I, I mean, also, we've basically had everyone. You go through the roll call of the people that we've had over the you know the last twenty years. We've basically already worn out all our goes. I think so. Um, I think, I think he will be the manager. I, I, I can see Cooper being here for a while. Mm. I hope so. I don't I want so. anyone else. That's also the thing. It's like oh, I don't want anyone else to be Forest manager. Like. They're not my real dad. Do you know what I mean? Like, Cooper's our dad now. Like, anyone else would feel like a stepdad or like your mum's new boyfriend. Like, mm. well, next time you meet Steve Cooper, don't shout, you're my real dad to him. <laughs> Love you, dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I also, as a serious football point, like he should have learned loads of lessons from last season and be a better manager. He was already a good man, a great manager, I think. So, And having Stephen Reid back, that's good news as well. He's a really good coach and a really good guy. So having him back on the staff's a big boost. Yeah, they're on, not, on I mean, the right track. Yeah, and, and Cooper is a really talented manager. And mm. him keeping into the Premier League with the amount of players he was given, and who knows how many of them he actually wanted. I mean, that in itself, how he wasn't nominated for like coach of the year, I actually thought was outrageous. It was yeah. a phenomenal job that he did as a manager last year. In fact, it, it, it was such a difficult gig and he did it. And you think some of those results and some of those games. My God, what a talented man. How could how can you people always look at the top end of the table, obviously, but I just thought, imagine what he could do. Imagine what he will do once things are like more focused and targeted and he gets players that he wants and all that sort of thing. Mm. And when the investment is sustained over a prolonged period of time. It, it, my God, what he's done is 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 phenomenal. He's one of the best managers in the league in terms of <laughs> absolutely incredible, really. Really, when you think about it, what he did was exceptional last year and the year before, obviously. But then to keep us in the Premier League, you can't doubt that guy's ability to get us up in less than a season from the bottom of the league to almost the top and then keep us in the Premier League with that mad transfer window and everything and to figure out who his best 11 were, to outwit Liverpool, City, Arsenal... My God, he's incredible. He's got to be one of the best managers in the league. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he should have been a contender for manager of the year. Although Gary O'Neill was, and he got sacked, so <laughs> keep him under the radar still. That's fine I mean, it'll me. be England manager next. Really, this will be the problem. It'll, it'll be... Um, that is... I mean, the other problem... It, well, there, there was a point in the season where we going, oh, Liverpool are looking at him, or Spurs are looking at me. Like, oh, my God, this has gone the other way now. We're yeah. to keep him. Yeah, when Brighton lose to Zerby... Cooper's going to be on their list, you know, and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure. I, um, you, would, you would hope that he would. It does feel like there's like a, there's something a bit more than just, 
a manager at a club relationship here, doesn't it? I can't believe he's ever had this relationship with any other fan. I don't think there are many managers in the world that have had the relationship he's had with the Forest fans. Mm. Mm. True. I would think so. That's got to count for something. And it's Steve. Don't leave. <laughs> uh, changing tack for the last 10 minutes or so. When we, when I was arranging this with you, uh, and you confirmed, and I was just listening to, I've become obsessed with Films to be Buried With, a podcast with Brett Goldstein. I've listened to tons of them. Yeah. And I've listened to the one with you. I was listening to it just about to when you um, said you'd do this. Uh, so I've shamelessly ripped off some of the questions. Great. Um, so Brett Goldstein, for you who don't know, wrote, um, co-wrote Ted Lasso, and he wrote a brilliant show called Shrinking on Apple. Have you seen either of them? I've seen a bit of Ted Lasso, but I haven't seen Shrinking. I mean, I haven't got Apple telly. Uh, okay. So it's one of those things. Where I've seen a bit of Ted Lasso, obviously, but um, Brett's I phenomenal. You know, he's been a comedian for a long time. We've known each other probably 15 years. Yeah. And it's that co- it's almost like that thing about people from Nottingham. It's so cool when someone you know really, really makes it. Mm. And he's like conquered the world. He's in like the Marvel Universe now. Yeah, he's in the next <laughs> he's, he's been like on Sesame Street. He's one of the I've nicest people him. I've ever met. He's Was brilliant. he just like, uh, I don't know what the word is, a jobbing comedian on the circuit? He wasn't the household name before Ted Lasso, or was he? No, but he was always doing like films on the side. So he was always like making films. He did a film called Super Bob about um, basically a, an average Joe who had superpowers. So he was mm. always like making films and, and doing those sorts of things. Um, and he got his break. It's, it's great. It's it's really, really cool. You know, when it, you want it to happen for nice people, don't you? And he is, he's one of the nicest people in comedy. Mm. So, uh, yeah, but his podcast is brilliant if people haven't listened to it. Films to be yeah. buried with. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, and Ted Lasso and Shrinking are great. So, Films to be buried with, the premise is you've died and he asks you about your life through film. So, I've yeah. shamelessly ripped it off with a few forest questions. Great. And one of the questions is the film that means the most to you. So who's the Forest player that means the most to you personally? Of the current squad? No, of any time watching Forest. Stuart Pearce. Mm. Beyond anything. I don't think anyone will ever come close to how he made me feel. Um, and I think anyone of our generation or older, that I don't think anyone who saw him play for Forest, there's nothing else like him. Uh, 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 it's such a unique um, and you talk about emotional connections with with fan bases like no one really had it like him as a player it was belit- and it, it just he had everything he was a really good footballer hard as nails but he would control that coliseum single-handedly pierce beyond any and i feel so emotional about him i get soppy when i think about pierce <laughs> Oh, I cry for him. You know, he doesn't need sympathy, does he? Stuart Pearce be like, oh man, that penalty. <laughs> God, I would have loved to have seen him lift the FA Cup for Forest mm. at Cup mm. Final. Ah! And I think that's partly what it is as well. It's, and maybe this is just like a soppy thing, but when there's a, when, it's not the perfect story. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's an amazing career and it's phenomenal. It's, it, by any metric, he's a highly successful individual and, and a total legend for Forrest and for England. But like the fact that it's a bit more of a complicated story. You know, it's not. It's not Mbappe. Do you know what I mean? He's not one of like the glamour players. Mm. Did it the hard way. He was still like a sparky when he was playing for Forrest, and they're the elements. It's it's in missing the penalty that allows him to have that moment in Euro '96. That was like. Those wrinkles in the story are what, are what make it great. I just think Pierce is I, I just a, a fascinated by him. I, I find him such an interesting person. I think he's hilarious. 
man. Do you know him? Have you come to know him at all? I've, I've sort of met him a few times. Yeah. I don't know if you'd remember me, but um, he's, like, if, if everyone on TalkSport plugging something he's on, he's always very generous. Mm. Um, I'm just in awe of him. It's really... Uh, I don't know how... Obviously, at places like that, they're used to working with ex-pros or whatever. But Pierce is just on such a different level, isn't he? Like, he's... It's almost like meeting a former prime minister or something. You're like, once you've played for England that long and you're that much of a national figure, you've crossed over into something else. Um, so I'm always... <laughs> Obviously, when you meet someone like that, you just want them to like you. Don't, you don't want to think, I hope Stuart Pearce doesn't think I'm an idiot. And he may well do, and that's his right. Maybe he's right. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, who is the player that you love that other fans don't think is particularly rubbish, but is a bit of a cult hero to you that would be... You know, Pierce is quite an obvious great yeah. player. Is there someone else, a more under the radar player that you came to love? Oh wow! I mean, I think that'll be fairly obvious. I mean, I, I genuinely think Andy Reid is one of the best footballers I've ever seen. Mm. I think he's, I think he's one of the best players Forrest has ever had, and obviously he was adored at the time. But he was, I think he's one of the most exciting players we've ever had. Really, just absolutely incredible. I still, um, I think I put him in like the top three people I ever saw play for, or top five. Just think, so maybe that counts. I mean, all the others would be fairly obvious. I loved Wone and Stone and Collymore Van Hoydonk. I'm trying to think if there were any. I don't think I'm, um, I don't think I understand football enough to like spot the ones that no one else would spot, if you know what I mean. I always like the fairly obvious ones. Um, Gary Crosby was great, but I guess everyone liked him. Uh, let me try and think. The problem is, obviously, there's periods of time where the squad turnover is just so high. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to say Jared Deshaer or Lee. Abdul. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. No, well, Andy Reid's my favourite. <laughs> Reed, my favourite Forest player I've seen live. Yeah. Not that he's the best, He'd be up there. He's so talented and so gifted. Mega. But Brilliant. He, he's one of those that would get you off your feet, especially the first spell oh. when he was youngest, younger. Oh, and he, he was, he was actually player. deceptively quick because he's always been stocky, <laughs> but he could still run a fullback. So, yeah, he was really good. He was I've great. seen him on the bench as well. Yeah. He's reedy. He's still there. Like the, the, And you can't help but feel that it's some of that reedy magic must rub off on them somehow, that he is, he's got such a talent that it must somehow transmit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, well, if he's there, maybe we're going to play football the way he likes, the way he played it, that really entertaining way. Mm. I love mm. it when you see club legends like, around and about or like on, in the dugout. Um, last two. Is there a player who you were just really disappointed? I don't want to say the worst because that's a bit harsh, but a player you had really high hopes for and then they were rubbish that springs to mind. You can't say John Joe Shelby because he still plays. <laughs> Well, I think I remember when we signed Carvalho and there was all that fuss around him. Yeah. <laughs> and you watched him play and you were like, oh, you know, it's club record signing. And I think because of the surname, you're like, we signed Carvalho. You're like, not that Carvalho. It doesn't matter. He's called Carvalho. 30 million quid or however much it was. You're like, wow. And then he could do kind of little tricks and things, but it quickly became apparent. You're like, I, I don't think he's good enough. <laughs> I don't think he's very good. I think it's all sort of like, I think it's all for show. You know, you're like, Oh, um, I've just remembered actually. Why did I not say Morgan Gibbs White earlier when we were Morgan, talking about like new players? One? 
Oh, just, yeah. My God. I mean, he's no. off the scale. I, I just sort of, you know what it is with him is, I just sort of accept, he feels like he's been at Forest forever. Mm. He is incredible. He is, he's got to be one of the best players we've had for years. I mean, and God knows what he will go on to achieve in an England shirt. Morgan Gibbs White is, um, well, how's the chant go? <laughs> the best on earth. Um, um, so sorry, where was I then? Um, yeah, Carvalho. And it was like, it was obvious he wasn't up to it. And it was like, manager after manager after manager was like, this guy's not good enough. Uh, so, yeah, that was a bit like, oh, we paid all this money. Maybe sometimes the ones that are the most expensive aren't the best players. I guess it would be like going into a restaurant and just ordering the most expensive bottle of wine, regardless yeah. of what you were eating, you know, mm. and whether it was good or not. Mm. You were like, oh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes the cheaper ones are better, actually. Do you remember yeah. Adama Diakabi? He's mine. We got him on yes. loan from Huddersfield. And there's yeah. the, there's that one touch that sums up a whole era of Forest. <laughs> when his first touch cannons it out for a goal kick about 60 yards because he was quick. I was like, oh, this, if God, one moment that. could sum up an era of like five yeah. or six years where we were terrible. He reminded me of, people. um there was a quote about, you know when Usain Bolt was trying to become a professional yeah. footballer for a bit? And someone said of him, and it, it, dear Carby reminded me of that. So he had a first touch like a trampoline. It <laughs> 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 was such a funny, such a funny way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I guess dear Carby was like that. Uh, last one. Football's ended. There's no games being played anymore. Climate change has wiped out the world. There's a there's the ripping off films for both. There's one DVD you can watch of a Forest game over and over again. Which game are you choosing? Oh, God. This is going to sound... Oh, well, I guess for just the ending, maybe the playoff final, just to... It was more, I would just watch the last six minutes, the final whistle, and then just mm. 90 minutes of the celebrations. Because mm. that was actually a terrible game. It's that's just... one of the worst games of... Possibly the worst game of football I've ever been to. <laughs> It was crap. But anyway, I need to relitigate the... Um, <laughs> but oddly, the game that has always stayed in my mind was we beat Crystal Palace 3-2 in 94-95. I just remember it being like an end-to-end brilliant mm. game of football. And Colin Moore scored the winner towards the end. I mean, obviously, there are bigger games with higher stakes, but that's the game that I remember. Mm. I mean, maybe I would pick... Leon or, or Bayern Munich just to watch Chettle score. Actually, maybe the 1991 FA Cup final just to see Pierce score at Wembley and all that. I think I've chosen some quite bad. Perhaps there's I'm some gonna... emotional resonance with you that, uh, that made you pick them. I don't know. Uh, I think they're just like, they're games that proved we were big, weren't they? So even if you lose them, you're like, we're in the FA Cup final. Yeah. In the same way that I would re-watch Luke Shaw's goal against Italy. Even though mm. I know we lose, like, that moment itself is ballistic. Pierce scoring against Spurs, going one 0 up in an FA Cup final, mm. feels bigger than winning the League Cup in a way. You're like that's bigger. Mm. Um, I'm going to go Forest QPR. Forest QPR three two in the ninety four ninety five season. It was just a brilliant game of football. I remember at the time thinking, "This is great. This could go either way." <laughs> and then Colin Moore got that winner at the end. You're like, "Oh man." So yeah, I'm gonna. Is that is that a shit? Is that sorry? Is that a bad choice? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I had an answer, but I was thinking, what would I pick when you were saying it? And I'd probably pick like some random Paul Hart game when we beat Stoke. Was it 6 <laughs> 0 and Harewood scores four goals in the first half? Was that that was incredible, yeah. Because of the I, football we played that season. That was, I mean, so many games that season. Maybe actually, if it was one from this season, maybe the Brighton game. Yeah. Or maybe the Arsenal at home. If it had to be from this season. The Southampton game at home. That was too stressful. That was mayhem. Yeah. Great fun, man. We're the best. We're the most entertaining team in the world. <laughs> uh, my other game would be the semi-final second leg against Sheffield United. Because that, oh, yes. that was a great game. It was, yeah. And it had the outcome. Oh, it was, was a great game until that. like 60 minutes in. Yeah. <sighs> But if I know the result, I could watch it again and again. In fact, I've yeah. watched that shootout again and again, to be fair. With, with oh, Sam yes. Yeah, yeah. The, sorry, I thought you meant... The, oh, yeah, not that one. Oh, God, God no. That was my... I couldn't watch that again. That still tortures <laughs> me 25 years on. No, 20 years on, yeah. Oh, yeah, God, the Sheffield that was the semi-final. My God, that penalty shootout. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great choice. Oh, Sheffield United Bramall Lane is the lowest I've ever felt as a fan. Worse than losing to Yeovil and all that. That, that Sheffield United game is yeah. the worst. I hated that Warnock team. Yeah, it felt That's like an injustice that. It was. We didn't feel that morally time. right. You're like, this isn't. The universe doesn't want this. No. Where are you, God? Do you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> what? Oh. But then that's why. That's why Wembley meant so much. That's why staying up meant so much is all those days, all those crap times. Now it's our turn to be great. True. <laughs> True. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. Is there anything you want to plug before we go of yours? Oh, oh I'm doing the Edinburgh Festival with a new stand-up mm-hmm. show called Inside Number 10. So um, I know lots of um, people who listen to this will go to the Edinburgh Festival, so come and see that. Um, you know, stand-up show about the news and politics and stuff with some impressions and a bit of football stuff in there. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, just Google me. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Well, for as long as he can, yeah. Before exactly, yeah. It feels like it's imploding at the moment. but I think so. I think so. Right. Uh, thanks very much to Matt. We'll be back on Thursday or Friday with some general transfer chit-chat. And then next week's guest is David Phillips. So uh, have a good week. Matt Ford, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. And we shall see you soon.